0: By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter.
1: Welcome to the Quillette Podcast, as we start off 2020 with a brief Martian interlude. As readers of our website will know, we've recently been running a series of articles under the banner, Our Martian Moment, in which authors describe what a future human colony on Mars might look like. But one of the most intriguing entries we've published is by Florida-based forensic psychologist Armando Simón who warns that we shouldn't go to Mars at all. Even putting aside the dangerous eight-month trip, our astronauts would encounter a deadly and desolate landscape, and then possibly come back to Earth contaminated by exotic microbes that, if they do exist, might infect Earth with diseases we can't even imagine or describe. I spoke to Mr. Simon this week as he was visiting San Antonio, Texas. Here are excerpts from our interview. One of the first things you tell us in the piece you wrote is that getting to Mars would be difficult.
2: Let's just look at the space station right now. If we were able to assemble a craft of that size, it will be uh, spectacularly expensive. Once the astronauts land in Mars, because it's such a long, long, long 55 million miles distance, the astronauts will be quite weak. It's not like going to the moon. With the moon, it's only approximately three hundred eighty-five thousand miles, and it took only what was it, uh, two and a half days, I believe. And they were able to land; they weren't weak, and then they were able to return. Now, to be sure, their craft was very cramped, but for a trip to Mars that will take such a long period of time, they will—they couldn't be cramped like the Apollo astronauts were. They will have to have movement, and uh, which will necessitate a larger craft. Assuming for the sake of argument that this trip to Mars happens without any problems, which is of course a question mark, then you have the trip back, which is another god awful fifty-five million miles. You're talking about quite a bit of time being cramped up in such a for such a long, long period of time. I think there will be no only physical problems but also psychological problems as well
1: the ability of human beings to endure confinement and solitude and sensory deprivation for long periods of time surely astronauts receive years of training in this sort of thing right shouldn't that help
2: yes they do as a matter of fact but there have been a number of instances of astronauts once they were actually in the space station that they got on each other's nerves. There was one particular astronaut that was driving the other astronauts crazy because he was constantly complaining about missing his wife, uh, which is understandable. He was vetted beforehand, he was trained beforehand, but even so, once the trip actually took place and he was in the station, Uh, He was driving the other astronauts crazy. I think a lot
1: of people have complaints like that just about people they deal with 9 to 5. Yes. But of course, if you're in some kind of space environment like that, you don't go home for the day.
2: No, you can't go home without your frustrations. No, you can't do that.
1: You talk about the human and psychological limitations, but you also paint this picture of astronauts coming home and unwittingly imposing on humanity some kind of infectious disease apocalypse based on pathogens that they bring home with them we don't know anything about whether there's any bacteria at all on on mars right
2: exactly we don't know anything at all about impossible bacteria um First of all, let, let, me, let me make it very clear that I'm a great enthusiast of space exploration and the space program. I'm gung-ho on that, have always been that way all my life. Having said that, to get back to your question, right here on Earth, particularly the United States, let's take the United States as an example. We have had invasive species that have come from other continents that when they have come here, they have simply just spread like wildfire and have become very much of a nuisance and have altered ecology. Of course, the fire ants, the nutrias, well, the hyacinths, kutsu, the plant kutsu. And if you ever go on a trip to, uh, through Mississippi, you will come across Yazoo City. Outside the Yazoo City, right outside the scourges, you'll see this, what seems at first glance, beautiful green matte Of greenery, which extends everywhere, goes up the trees and everything, until you realize that it's all one species. It has absolutely taken over, it has totally strangled all the other species, it has crowded them out. You can't see any trees or any other type of vegetation. It has just simply spread like wildfire. Uh, In Florida, we have an infestation of Burmese pythons. They have just simply taken over, uh, I can never pronounce that swamp, Okifinoki swamp. <laughs> there are pictures of them uh, having swallowed alligators, mountain lions down there. So, I'm not being an alarmist. It's based on some past facts, which is that when a new, when a new species enters an environment where it is very lush compared to where it's from and has no predators to keep it in check it's just going to go overboard
1: of course there are no megafauna on mars we know there are no pythons or alligators or something like that this would be some kind of microbe or prion or virus or some life form maybe that we can't even identify on a microscopic level one of the scenarios that you point out is that if such microbes exist They exist in this incredibly challenging, freezing, cold, oxygen-deprived environment. You invite us to imagine what that kind of hardened, sturdy creature would do amidst, the word you use is smorgasbord of Earth.
2: Exactly. that's, That's what I'm pointing at. I should also point out that Although we have achieved in this day and age a very excellent degree of health and medicine compared to what it was, you know, two centuries ago or three. Nonetheless, the fact of the matter is that although we have a a good handle on bacteriological diseases, we really cannot cure, cannot kill viruses. If a person gets smallpox, or AIDS, or measles, you know, even simple measles, we cannot give the individual a pill that will eradicate the, the virus. And I'm just worried that perhaps there is a virus, a prion, in Mars that is dormant that we will unwittingly bring back.
1: Prions are irregularly folded proteins. And, and like viruses, they're not really life as we know it. And it emphasizes that, as you say in the article, there may be other hybrid, ambiguous forms on Mars that we can't even identify. We wouldn't even see them as a threat because we don't have the tools to identify them if and when they come back from another planet.
2: If Mars was formed the same way as Earth was, and there's some indication that it was, uh, there's there's been a lot of water there, according to the traces that have been detected by the probes, you have to assume, for the sake of argument, and you don't have to, but let's assume for the sake of argument that life there also began to form in the same way or around the same time as in Earth. But now, because of the different conditions, of the harsh conditions, life either died out or became dormant. If that is so, if that is a logical, rational possibility, It's possible that they're there, they're dormant, and we can bring them back. And what is most important that has to be kept in mind is it has to live off something when it's alive. Bacteria, viruses, they subsist on other things, whether it's other bacteria, other viruses, uh, plants, animals, whatever. It has to live off something. And if we bring them back, it's possible that they may uh, live off plants. It could be animals, it could be human beings, and the manifestations may take bizarre forms that we have never encountered before. After all, we have a lot of very bizarre organisms right here on Earth. It may seem like an absurd scenario, but it's, it's quite possible that perhaps it has an affinity for chloroplasts in plant. Or perhaps it will, it will have an affinity for plankton. You never know. We simply do not know. I am very much in favor of space exploration, but the fact of the matter is that the reason for going to Mars is to see what's there, but we already know what's there. Mars is a rock, there's nothing else there, it's a rock. And it may be a nice spectacular view like Mount Olympus, Mount Olympus, I should say. And the science fiction idea of possibly, in the future, turning Mars into an Earth-like planet... Terraforming Mars. Terraforming, yes, thank you. ...is diminished by the fact that the probes that we sent have indicated that there's a chemical in the soil called perchlorates that are basically poisonous to Earth bacteria. And, of course, you need bacteria in the soil to make plants.
1: We've reached the midpoint in this Quillette podcast, which we will resume very shortly, but first, a short message from our commercial supporters at BetterHelp, an online counseling service that helps people become happier and more productive. By logging on at BetterHelp, you can connect with your professional licensed counselor in a safe and private online environment according to your own pace and schedule, using secure video or phone sessions, as well as online chat and text. Some of the specialties of BetterHelp counselors include depression, anger, stress, anxiety, relationship problems, sleep trouble, and trauma. BetterHelp uses a network of 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 U.S. states, and you can switch therapists at no charge to make sure you find the right fit. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. And of course, anything you share with the professionals at BetterHelp is strictly confidential. Quillette podcast listeners get 10% off their first month service by using the discount code Quillette. If you'd like to know more, please go to betterhelp.com slash Quillette. That's betterhelp.com slash Quillette. And now back to our podcast. One of the takeaways from your article, it's not just that we shouldn't go to Mars. Couldn't the logic for your article be extended to the idea that we shouldn't leave Earth ever?
2: Unfortunately, that is the case, yes. Using the article to its logical conclusion, one of the things that human beings seem to have to cling to very fervently is the idea there has to be intelligent life out there. I've often asked persons, what if there isn't? What if we're it? And they become very nervous about that because all of a sudden they feel alone, isolated. I know a lot of your listeners will probably snarl at this idea, but perhaps we're it. Perhaps we are the only intelligent life in the galaxy. Now, that's, that's pretty weird if you stop to think about it, because it means that this Earth is precious. And we will do everything possible to safeguard it, to make sure that the exceptionalism of Earth remains viable. Now, of course, this is a very unpopular point that I've made with several friends, and they get very nervous. They, it's like saying to other people, God doesn't exist, which makes them feel very nervous because we're alone there's nobody else out there
1: to flip the argument i've heard people say that we should stop sending radio signals out into the galaxy trying to make contact with other potential other life forms on the theory that this would be the equivalent of say an indigenous society a thousand years ago sending out radio waves to european colonists saying come visit we have lots of natural resources do you also think that it would be similarly wrongheaded to invite, if they exist, extraterrestrial life forms to come visit Earth?
2: Assuming for the sake of argument that such interstellar travel is possible, there's a 50-50 chance. Don't forget, if, if they are anything like human beings, I mean, look at the history of human beings. Look at the Mongols. Look at the Khmer Rouge. That is a distinct possibility. But then the alternative is, well, maybe they're very benevolent, hippie-like creatures. You know, I I wrote an article ages ago that uh, regarding UFOs. I've done some some psychological studies on UFOs. And years ago, the idea was that uh, the UFO arguments, when they were seen, they were miniature human beings, humanoids. The argument I made was that I was skeptical of that. If you take a number of... Of evolutionary facts in question. First of all, human beings have been around for less than a blink of time, geologically speaking. And human beings are exceptional in the animal kingdom for obvious reasons. Considering that tiny sliver of time that we have been around, I think it's unrealistic to think that if there is indeed life on in other worlds, A, they're humanoids, and B, that they're intelligent, and C, they're at the same level or higher of technical sophistication. Again, I'm being the bad guy and saying, maybe there aren't intelligent life forms on other planets. Maybe they don't look like us. Statistically, it doesn't jive. It doesn't make sense.
1: When people think of Mars, a lot of them think War of the Worlds, the martians coming to invade earth and then of course we know how that ends there's a sort of apocalypse at the end of that book
2: and we always win
1: well it's not an apocalypse of earthlings right there's something in the article you wrote that suggests that if you put aside all of the ray gun imagery and science fiction craziness in that story it's sort of accurate as to what could happen when two civilizations from different planets meet each other. Were you channeling War of the Worlds as a sort of prophecy for our own time, but with the direction of travel reversed?
2: It was simply a warning. My article is simply saying, look, we should take this possibility into consideration. Before we're all gung-ho, let's bring back a ton of rocks from Mars. Let's be a little cautious here. Let's err on the side of caution. Again, let me say that I am very much in, in favor of space exploration, of uh, sending probes to all the planets and outside the solar system. One of the things that worries me about if we do send a man's mission to uh, Mars is if some disaster occurs and the astronauts die through an explosion or a craft goes totally out into space is there's an anti-science contingent within our society that will use that as an excuse to try to cancel further space exploration. If we do decide finally to go to Mars, then let's make sure that it's going to be absolutely 200% safe. One more thing. I mentioned the invasive species, but human beings have also been invasive species. When the Spaniard conquistadores came to uh, my native Cuba, for example, and Hispaniola, they wiped out all the native Indians. Something to think about. On that
1: ominous note, Armando Simón, thank you so much for joining
2: the Quillette podcast. It's been my pleasure.
0: If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron